Welcome back to another murder cast. My name is Aisha. I'm Emily. And I'm Jess. Today we are talking about uh, Marsha P. Johnson to celebrate International Women's Month, but also to celebrate the closing of Black History Month. So I'm really kind of bummed to talk about this. Like, she did a lot of really good things, but she's she died at 46. That's like a half-life. That's not yeah. even a half-life. And it's just mm-hmm. not fair. Because she did so many incredible things. And um, I actually saw that she had a website. Um, I don't know if it was set up. It was probably set up after her death. Called MarshaP.org. You can donate to help black trans youth uh, combat homelessness. Uh, you pay for protection, just general support. So if anyone wants to do that, I'll make sure to put some information on the Instagram and a link for you to follow so that you can do that if you want to. All right, let's get into it. Ma'am. <laughs> Come here. My cat Come cat here, is still she literally spent all day just sleeping in my bed. And I just wish that I could do that. <laughs> Seriously. Can I sleep? I want to die and come back as a cat. And hope, no, that, hope it's to a good home, though. You I know, was going to say. You know, uh, some people are weird and abusive. so. But okay, we're talking about Marsha P. Johnson. And I absolutely love that the P in her name stands for... Pay no mind. Pay no mind. That's what our episode's going to be called. Marsha, pay no mind. Johnson, love it. I love it, too. I love that energy. So she was an American gay liberation activist and drag queen. She was born Malcolm Michaels on August 24th, 1945. And I believe she transitioned to Marsha when she was like, she was really young. She was like seven Wow. Yeah. That's unheard of at that time. No, it's not, though. Is it? No. I think people come into their sexuality pretty young. They come into their, they're like... They know who they are. Yeah, pretty young. But people are always telling them that it's wrong. Like, yeah. That's And that's kind of the issue. Like, I just was talking to my sister about this because my sister has a bunch of, not necessarily this, but um, just in general about kids being very honest with, like, their feelings and emotions and, like, who they are, mm-hmm. they just are because they're untouched by the world, you know. Yeah. So I you think get older in society, yeah, you, exactly, exactly. Restrictions on you. Yeah, and- that's exactly why I feel like this might be like a far out concept, but I feel like if people weren't always taught straight rhetoric growing up, there would be more people who would consider themselves pansexual, specifically pansexual. Because pansexuality is like, there are no limitations. It's just like who you vibe with. Yeah. You know? And I think more people would be that way if they weren't always taught that they're not supposed to think that way. You know what or I mean? Or they're not supposed to try. Yeah. Like, people always try to shame people for trying to figure out themselves. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, her legacy is so strong. Because it's like, no matter what people were telling her, like, she lived her truth. And inspired other people to live their truth. Yes. And also in a time when black people, or people of color in general, were not considered a part of the movements. They were not considered in the feminist movement. That's why it's important that all these different waves of feminism happen so that it becomes more and more inclusive. Yeah, because intersectionality is so important. Yeah, seriously. Where did this take place? Well, uh, she was born in the 40s, okay. but she started 60s? her activism in the yeah, 60s, 60, okay. and the Stonewall riots happened in 69. Okay. But I think she started her activism, I think it was 61, okay. which she was only like 20. So all this stuff she happened was very young. right wow. before the sexual revolution. Yep. Okay. 
And I don't even think the sexual revolution was well, the actual sexual revolution. Yeah. <laughs> it was a revolution of the male gaze. Um, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of issues with that. That's why I think people considered um, sometime in early 2000s to be a second sexual revolution where women were, you know, it was like the point where women were demanding their orgasms. Because I don't yeah. think that that was still kind of unheard of, that women were demanding their orgasms. Sex was considered you don't talk male about gaze. It. it was considered... That, and that is, like, not true anymore. <laughs> no, but, but, like, then it, you didn't talk about it. Like, it's weird. You sound like your mom when you said that. Yeah, she did. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. You did. You talked about it. Even, and because you didn't talk about it, it also makes you question if you should talk about it even as a private, like, with your spouse. Because you're like, I think we should. All- and I mean, now, I definitely think you should definitely have an open and honest conversation and be like, look, this is what... It's not happening. This is what needs to happen. This is all of that. But yeah. Be, but before you you weren't taught that. You were always yeah. taught that it was just keep it closed. Keep it closed and didn't talk to each other about it either. It was just it is what it was. What like, it was. How will you know how to please your partner or how how to, how to talk to your partner about pleasing you? Yeah. I think that. For me personally, I would rather have these conversations up front. Like, I don't want to fall in love with you and then find out that you're into something I can't do. Yeah. Or or you find out I'm into something that you can't do. I'd rather have that conversation up front so that we can just get it out the way. Mm. Figure out if we're sexually compatible as well as romantically compatible because that also is very important. Yes. Especially if we're still demanding our orgasms. And I feel like a lot of people are kind of doing that now. But I, I feel like it's a conversation that needs to happen up front and it's it was just a conversation that we have to stop being like so coy about yeah it's, it's an important conversation and you know intimidated about but mark should be johnson yeah <laughs> sorry a little bit over okay where was i because we got I okay i already talked about marsha p.org okay so she was on the forefront of the gay liberation movement in new york for nearly 25 years mm-hmm. probably longer than that no, no, she started in the 60s. She died in 92. I think that's about, yeah. That's she right. was also open sex worker. Yeah, she was. She, she was a sex worker. Was and she supported sex workers. She was. She was. And we respect sex workers on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> it's underappreciated. It really is. Sex workers deserve respect and money and privacy. So um, She also protested against um, oppressive policing. She advocated on behalf of sex workers, prisoners, and people with HIV and AIDS. Yeah, especially that, because unfortunately, she got HIV. Did she really? Yeah. I didn't see that. That's so sad. Yeah. And at the time, there was no support for it, especially oh, because it was pretty rampant in the gay community it was rampant in the black community and when that happens they like they just don't care they like any higher up person that has a chance to do any kind of research to help the situation or they're not going to because they don't care and that's kind of what happened nowadays you can live a life with hiv and aids i think aids is still pretty deadly but you can like live with it yeah there is no empathy for these people because of who they were um and there was a lot of like rumors about how hiv and aids were spread obviously Mm -hmm. we all know that in the gay community Mm -hmm. um it was just ridiculous so she advocated for all of that she was a really good person honestly and i think most people that she came across she kind of just left an impression like a really big important impression 
just the documentary. Um, which, by the way, everyone should watch the Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson on Netflix. It's really, really good. They talk. What is her name? Victoria Cruz. Is that the one that's that's in this video? I think the one who's doing the anti-violence investigation to the the murder. Oh, I think I that's her name. Remember who? I think yeah, she is. She is featured in the 2017 documentary. So that's her, Victoria Cruz. She's remembered as one of the most significant activists for transgender rights. And at the time, she just called it transvestite, which I guess now is considered a uh, a slur, a homophobic slur or a transphobic slur. But to her, it wasn't. It was, it was like what made sense because I don't think the term transgender had ever been thought of. And her, I guess we can call her partner in crime, Sylvia Rivera, actually still doesn't really like... I mean, she, she died in 2002, but... Even by that point when this term was coined, she um, didn't really like it. She she liked transvestite more than she liked transgender. And it's probably more because of the time. Transvestite and drag queen were kind of just what they knew to use. um, Oh, when she created Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Sylvia Rivera. Yeah. Rivera. Marsha started wearing dresses at the age of five. That's when she started. Can I just say that if her parents would do that, well, they didn't like it. Oh. I think she was kicked out of the house. Oh, never mind. You. Um, but her friend, her family were super religious. They were very strict and religious yeah, people, so, so like, they were not accepted. They didn't. They. Her mom told her being gay is lower than a dog. That's what her mom That's told her. That's horrible. Although, honestly, in my opinion, dogs are not low. But yeah, I think she was like 10 or 11, just like Sylvia Rivera. Sylvia Rivera, who basically was alongside Marsha P. Johnson and a lot of this activism, was kicked out of her house when she was 11 years old. Marsha, I think, was 10 when she got kicked out. And um, they were both sort of, um, they did sex work, and they were both sort of adopted into the drag queen community. Um, I think it was more important for Sylvia than it was because Sylvia was into a lot of really bad things. I think I'm sure there was a lot of like drug usage and stuff in Marsha's <coughs> well, past, but I didn't really see a lot Marcia of that. And she had a lot of mental dealt, illness. Dealt with like a lot of homelessness. Yes, she like, did. She was homeless. Which was really interesting because she did a lot to help like gay and trans homeless youth. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, well, so they wouldn't be homeless like the way she was, but I think that was before she was doing all the activists. I don't. I don't remember. I don't know. I, it seemed to me it seemed like it was kind of sprinkled through her life. There was never a, like a specific time when she was homeless and not. It was like she would be homeless and she'd be staying with someone, and then mm. it would just be like that. Oh well, she like she ran away. I think she ran away to New York City with fifteen dollars mm-hmm, in her, her pocket, pocket and back clothes. Mm-hmm. Because she had to escape her hella religious parents. What's crazy though was like New York is like wasn't even gay friendly back then. It wasn't. Did you guys know that she modeled for Andy Warhol? Yeah, that's why I, like, I was like I couldn't well, wait to say that fun no, fact. Yeah, so he did a a series called Ladies and Gentlemen, which was just in support of the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community and trans people. Uh, I think it was mostly focused on trans women. Yeah, trans women and drag queens. And he did a a painting, a pop art painting of her. That's and so cool. I am going to post it if I can figure it. out. I'm going to have to. No, I had it up on a tab on one of my laptops. I'm going to post it if I can. I'm going to have to like screenshot it and shit. But <laughs> I can post it. It's really cool looking. Oh, how Peaches performed in 1972. Yeah, 1972. That's when she... Did she perform with him or what? 
I wasn't sure what it was. She was part of the group. Okay. She said that um, being a a drag queen gave her identity. Good. That's really sweet. And Marsha never really received any recognition because the gay rights movement at the time was for, like, white lesbian women and white gay men. There was not a lot of inclusivity there. Yeah. And they didn't like the idea of, a like, a trans person. They just, but I think that what made her famous was her throwing the brick at Stonewall. There's a lot of mixed reports about what happened at Stonewall. She didn't throw the... I think she threw the first brick, but she wasn't the first... Like, she wasn't even there when it started. She came later. And there was some speculation about Sylvia Rivera, which I saw some mixed things, but to me it seemed like she wasn't even there at all, which is fine. It's no big deal because they still really advocated. She was still, like, a pillar in the gay community. You have your hand up. Yes, I do. Yes, Miss Emily. So for the people who don't know anything, what is Stonewall? Oh, we're going to get there. Don't worry. I have a whole thing. That is literally the next section. I don't know what Kelly's talking about. So Stonewall was like, it was like the start of, I mean, it wasn't the start, but it was like the thing that, that really made gay rights activists, like, it gave it the fire. Because of police discrimination and police violence towards the LBGTQIA community. Oh my gosh. I don't know the name of the person, but in the suffragettes where the woman walked in front of the horse race and basically killed herself, that's what really, there was... A movement before, but that's what, like, really started it and made people take Yeah, it's kind of like what Marsha P. Johnson did, but they didn't give her the credit because... They didn't. They didn't give her the credit because she was black, and then at that time, being trans was, like, a newer idea. Yeah, and that people really were not accepting. Gay cis people, you know? And it's interesting because it's, like, I was talking about this, I was, like, ranting at Emily (laughs) (laughs) about this because... It was like white people. It, it's sort of the same thing when black people discriminate against gay people. It's like when white gay people discriminate against black trans people. It's like, do you not see the hypocrisy that's the, going on? There's right now? a lot of irony there. <laughs> yeah. Like you understand the oppression, but you won't you won't do anything to help this person who's being oppressed too. Mm-hmm. You're gonna not only not help them, but also further oppress them. It makes Absolutely. When no you're trying sense. to stop oppression of who you are. It makes no sense. Like, that makes none. It, it makes, it doesn't. <laughs> so, yeah, so she got very little recognition while she was, um, while she was alive. When she died, there's like tons of little commemorative things in New York City, just around New York City that commemorates her life and, and her activism, which is really cool. So, <laughs> POCs were, Always left out of LGBT movements, uh, as well as the feminist movements. Uh, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera were on the front lines of the movements fighting for trans rights as early as the 1960s, which we've already said. I think, actually, I think Sylvia Rivera didn't start until 1971 because she was only, um, I think she was only like 17 or 18 during the Stonewall riots, which was one reason they were saying she probably wasn't there. Yeah. She was like 17. She did start really with the activism by 1971. She was very, very strong in the active scene. Um, but I, she was also just like sidekicking with yeah. Marsha P. Johnson. So I think she was there with her like through the 60s. And they did some really cool things, which we'll get into I think it's important to talk about Sylvia Sylvia Rivera because you don't really hear her name. Like, people talk about Marsha P. Johnson. If you say Marsha P. Johnson, people typically know who you're talking about by this point in their lives. I didn't know who Sylvia was. I didn't either. 
I didn't either. She's like the lesser known, but she was right there with her, you know? Sylvia was born in New York City in 1951, and she was Venezuelan and Puerto Rican descent. Um, Rivera and Johnson met at... Okay, I don't think that's right. It says they met at the Stonewall Riots, but I don't... Like I said, I saw mixed reviews on rather... Reddit? Whether or not... No, not on Reddit. Uh (laughs) Whether or not Rivera was actually at the Stonewall Riots. So it was probably somewhere around there. Maybe they heard of each other or something. But I don't know if they actually did meet at the Stonewall Riots. Because I cannot find anything to, like, solidify that. Because, like I said, lots of mixed reviews out there about about that. Um, the, so, the Stonewall Riot... <laughs> Excuse us for We're, we're drinking wine, wine too, yeah. while we're talking. The Stonewall Riot happened at the Stonewall Inn in, I think it was Manhattan, New York. Which was... It was a safe haven for gay people... It was, like, one of the f- the few places that they could commune without being harassed by the general public, by police officers. So on this night, I... Do I have a date? I don't know. Do you? I know it was uh, 1969. I don't remember. I think it was June something, 1969? July 2nd? I don't know. It was June 1969. <laughs> just throw out dates at this point. No, it was June 1969. I don't know what date specifically. But that is when the bar got rated. Yeah. That makes Stonewall sense because June is considered uh, Pride, Gay Pride Month. Okay. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's why. Because yeah. Stonewall is Yeah. That's why the Pride Month is that. Because they had their first Gay Pride celebration a year after the Stonewall riots. Okay. And then it, that... Obviously, that Isn't it crazy, though, tradition too, like, continues. June is June 19th. Yeah. It's like June's like the pound. Juneteenth. <laughs> yeah. Juneteenth. Is that what you meant? <laughs> what did I say? June 19th. <laughs> well, it is June 19th. But it's but Juneteenth. <laughs> so, like I said, Stonewall Inn was a place for gay people to commune. It was for marginalized members of the gay community. So, that's people of color. That's black people. That's any, like, trans, butch lesbians, um, homeless youth, sex workers. That's where they communed. And most of them were living in poverty, so that that makes sense. Uh, So June 28th, I did have a date. June 28th, 1969, police began a raid of Stonewall saying they were selling liquor without a license. That was an excuse. Yeah, that was a total excuse. Marshall was celebrating her 25th birthday. Oh, Damn. They just got, Piggy's just got to ruin the fun, don't they? You know what's crazy, though? There literally wasn't a law that was like, you can't be gay. I know. It was just, wasn't it was just socially accepted. Yeah. But that's how everything is. Yeah. Like, like, that's how It's not socially is. accepted until it is socially accepted. Yeah. And usually it takes a lot of languages of the unheard. Honestly, but yet it, it didn't really become socially accepted being, until, yeah, like, the past decade. That's what's crazy. I mean, in our yeah. lifetime, gay people have gotten the right to get married. Yeah, yet it takes laws to let it actually be legal and all this kind of stuff, but there was but no it's like, laws against it. But the, real, the weird thing to me is, who the fuck do these people think they are legislating love? I know. Legislating sexuality. This is the same people legislating women's bodies. Are it's you like, really asking? Yeah. <laughs> are you really asking? You're right. But it's just like... I want them to sit and really think about what they're doing. You're literally telling people they can't be something that they can't help being. And that makes no... And it's not legislative. Care. That's the way those lines work, though. It's not legislative because it's literally no one else's business except for that one person. Why do you think that, yes, you white man, why do you think you can insert your ideas onto every single person? It just makes no also, sense. white woman, too. Don't hear that. One thing that really 
freaking peeved me. It peeved you? It peeved me. Okay, listen. It was standard procedure for police officers to lead women into the bathrooms to verify their sex. Are you freaking kidding me? Holy shit, I get violations on so many levels. Yeah. And they would immediately arrest any of the, like, cross-dressers, the butch lesbians. How do they know what? They're like, let me see your dick. Literally. Yes. That is not a sexual misconduct. Seriously. um, It was also just, I think it was also just an excuse to sexually harass these, these, specifically these lesbians. That is a massive form of sexual harassment. Like, damn. Yeah, they said that lesbian patrons specifically were sexually harassed by the police that night. Um, They immediately arrested any cross-dressers. And then this is what started the riots. This is what I saw that started the riots. A police officer clubbed a butch lesbian. Their name was Stormy De La Varic, or De La Varic. I think that was her name. De La Varic. Um, Over the head for saying her cuffs were too tight. And then she, I think she threw a punch or something at the officer. And that is what kick-started the riots. Because they were just sick of all of the discrimination. And they had, like, a crowd of onlookers who were, they weren't doing anything, but they were, they weren't, like, they weren't on the side of the cops. Like, the onlookers weren't on the side of the cops, but they weren't doing anything to stop what was happening until she did that. And then the riots broke out. Literally. And then the riots broke out. That's literally, that you're right. <laughs> like, no one does that. anything until one person throws the first punch. So and then people are like, well, yeah, we gotta like do something. It's like the fight in the hallways. <laughs> in school, which don't actually happen, but every single movie has to portray. Like, well, clearly you did not grow up in the same school system as me. I did not. Because uh, there was a fight I think we every might have day. had one school fight. And we heard about it after the fact. Like, I saw a couple in my high school, but I grew up in Dave Public School. Girl, I went to Dave Public School too. It was a fight every day. Literally. <laughs> like, every day. Yeah, okay, so. We grew up in the hood. I'm sorry, I did not. <laughs> I remember when I hit somebody in private school, they made me go to a uh, a child therapist. Oh my god. <laughs> Whatever, that shit's normal in Dan. <laughs> well, so Marsha was one of the first to resist police. But she was not the first person to throw the punch, which is some of the speculation. But also some of the speculation is that she didn't get any credit for her acts that night. And she was one of the people who really helped move the Stonewall riots, which created the gay pride. You know, so yeah. she's cool like that. And then after that, I already said that a year after Stonewall was the first gay pride parade. Mm-hmm. And then two years after that um, were when gay rights groups started popping up in every like major city so she that really progress yeah <laughs> that it really is and Marsha and I think I put the wrong thing here I put Marsha and Stonewall but I'm pretty sure I meant to say Marsha and Sylvia created or co-founded the organization called star which is street transvestite action revolutionaries which was something they put together to help uh, black trans use and homeless use uh, sex workers just um, have a safe haven. Oh, okay. Yeah, they gave them support and protection, all that stuff. It's just like the MarshaP.org website, they, they kind of have the same goals. Now the death. There was not yeah. a lot of information about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is where we get to our murder cast. Yeah. <laughs> this is like... It's weird. Me mad. Yeah. There's like not a lot of information out there about it. 
I think people should definitely take the time to watch the life and death of, or the death in life of Marsha P. Johnson because it gives a lot of insight on how the case was handled, um, how they reacted. There was very little to go on outside of witness testimony. Like there isn't, there isn't much, and, and she was cremated, so there is like no body to go back and to. There's no like hardly any documentation. They weren't allowed. I don't know if they did an autopsy or. Or if they didn't do it on Hudson, they weren't allowed to get information. Yeah, so they, they talk about that in the documentary. Yeah. And she says that she tried to get, I think she said she tried to get information on the autopsy and they told her no. They said she because could they not they get allowed. access so to that information. She had plans that night and then she never showed up. It was in 1992. Uh, they said her body, they found her body in a river. Yes, it no, was floating in the Hudson. Later. Floating, yeah. yes. And they said that she, it was a suicide drowning. How do you suicide drown in a river, basically? Well, jump in. <laughs> That's what they said happened, except when her body, like witnesses who saw her body, said that she had some kind of head wound. Yeah, some kind of head wound in the back she of her head. That would probably lead to tr- blunt force trauma. Yeah, blunt yeah. force trauma. Then you like pass out, mm-hmm. and then your body gets thrown. Or she could have just yeah. That's true. To even say drowning exactly, she could have she could have been thrown in that river after being murdered. We have no idea. We have nothing but conspiracy and so-called witness testimony. I will say there was one witness. Let me. He said that this is what this is what he witnessed. He witnessed. On July, I want to say July, was it July 4th? When was her death? Was it? I think it was, they were supposed to meet up on July 4th. So yeah. I think that so was July 4th, she was seen arguing with someone in the neighborhood and he was really violent, really throwing out homophobic slurs at her. And reportedly in that same day, he was seen bragging in the bars in the area about having killed a transvestite named Marsha. And then her oh, body floated to the surface two days later. This witness tried to go to the cops and they didn't care. They didn't like believe anything that he said. They didn't care. They said something like they didn't care about that gay black man or something like something along those lines. They just didn't care about his, his well, witness statement. They, they didn't care about her for multiple reasons. Well, they didn't care about her because she's black. They did not care about her because she was trans. Mm-hmm. They did not care about her because she was a sex worker. And they did not care about her because she did not give a fuck about them. Yeah, but it's just like police. Ugh, disgusting. And we all know how the police started, so. Yeah, a slave catcher. Slave catcher. That's what that story for. Yeah. And they still wear stars to this day. Yeah. There is also, like, there's also, there's so much speculation. Like, some people think she was having a mental breakdown. And okay, one but of, they've seen that go through the years, and then she was fine. It was never, like, a suicide breakdown. And all of her friends said that there is no way she would have committed suicide. But that's also hard to go on because you have no idea what someone would do. Yeah. You don't know what's going on in people's heads. So we can't say that it wasn't, but I don't believe it was. And there was, like... There was another friend who said, uh, I think it was Randy Wicker, who I think, he was an activist, and he was a friend of Marsha's. I think she may have lived with him. I don't know if it was him or another person. But I think she may have lived with him. But he said she could have, like, been having a mental break and been hallucinating and walked into the river without even realizing it. Or may have, he said, may have walked into the river or may have jumped to escape. Uh, She may have, sorry, let me get my words together. (laughs) 
Um, she may have also been trying to escape harassers by jumping in because some other people said that they did see her being harassed by a local gang Ooh. as well. So there's like, yeah. And then in the actual movie, the death and life, they were talking about possible mob connections. Like, okay. So I heard a second of that. I want to know more. I didn't I do find any research about that. And did you see that? Um, were there mob connections? Was there the mob was like horrific? They didn't like that. They could have been. They could have been. I mean, oh, sometimes the mob works. Maybe she out somebody. Mm. Oh, that's true. But the mob also, like, had taken, I mean, this is the, what? This is the 90s. Police corruption, not unheard of. It could have just been a mob hit, or it could have been something personal with the mob, or something personal with officers. But there allegedly was a threat made to someone else from a supposed mafia and or mob yeah. that it was like saying something about how if you don't stop this, you could end up like just like Mar- Marsha like Yeah, I guess since there's a lot to go on with that, that's probably more conspiracy. And they're like no. No, like known stuff that makes sense. Yeah, what, what's the word I'm looking for though? Like no Evidences? suspect, suspect. Suspects there are evidence. no suspects. Well, I mean, the only suspect was a lot of people. There's a lot of homophobic, racist people, so that's really about it. But it's interesting that this happened in 1992. They said it was a suicide. Then they opened it in 2002 for it to be undetermined, which ten years later. They went back to saying it was a suicide in 2012. Is that right? No, I thought they reopened it in 2012 to say undetermined. I thought they opened it twice. 2002 and 2012. Am I wrong? I don't know. I thought they opened it. Let me see. Let's find out. We're always doing some live research, aren't we? Yeah, because like all of us, we just find different things. Oh, and I do want to mention that for Stonewall, the consensus is that she climbed the lamppost and threw a very hobje- a very heavy object. I said object. A very heavy object that was in a bag and shattered a police car window. And that was one of the things that helped really jumpstart the Stonewall riots. She's so cool. Yeah, fuck the police, man. Fuck the police. Well, we should get t-shirts with her fuck, face fuck, on it. Fuck, fuck, fuck the police. I agree. In 2012 was when the case was reopening and moved from suicide to undetermined. So did I make up 2002? 2002 was when Sylvia Rivera died, so I don't know if oh, you got that. Oh, I probably got that confused. Sorry. Yeah, I still can't believe that. He literally had, they had a witness, and they did, They just did not give a shit. They, they didn't care. They didn't document it or anything. Yeah. And I think the only reason we know about it is because he did an interview uh, later on after uh, she had died. But you know what, though? To this day, police still don't... If a black person's murdered, they don't investigate it. Well, duh. Did you see recently? There was a black officer fired for saying the N-word, but they still haven't arrested the cops who killed Breonna Taylor? What? Is that how that works? Murder's fine, but if you say the N-word, God forbid. If you are a black cop who says the N-word, God forbid. Wait, he was a black cop? He was a black cop yeah. who said the N-word. He wasn't calling somebody. Was he just saying it? I think he was just saying it. I don't think he was directing yeah, it. People just say it casually. But I think it was caught. It was either caught on his body cam. I think it was caught on his body cam. And they fired him. But they didn't fire or arrest the cops that killed Rihanna Taylor. Did they fire them? I think they put them on administrative leave. Yeah, I don't, yeah, think, they, I don't think they fired them. or something, but... 
it wasn't permanent. Are we done with the podcast? Yes. Um, the, unless you guys had any final thoughts? Any no, final I mean, thoughts? Marsha P. Johnson is amazing. This yeah. is really sad. I hate the fact that she's no longer alive. I think she would have been about, uh, let's see, probably about 60 or 70 if she were alive today. Which isn't really that old. It's not that old. She died too young. At least her legend still lives on. I would love to go to New York and, and see all of these little commemorative things that they Why put around. Why does everybody great as an activist have to get murdered? Because that's um, the only way they get recognized. Because it, unfortunately, because it shakes up the foundations that people know. So officers and government officials are like, they must be stopped. Let's talk about Malcolm X. I mean, it's Martin like, Luther King. It's Martin like Luther the King. only time anything is ever worth mentioning is when someone is murdered or killed. Because it's like if they were murdered and killed, it was for a reason, and it's because they were making I mean, I, making change. I mean, it's just like how I all started with, and I apologize, I cannot remember his name at the moment. Who? The one that started the movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, last year. Um, the guy who was straight, who was killed by the cops. Oh, George Floyd. And he that didn't start it. Well, he didn't start it, but he, definitely, years, but, but he definitely, but he definitely shook up. He yeah. shook it up and rejuvenated it. I think it was still going on. It's just like another one. We gotta do yeah. something. What's crazy is it took a man, not a woman. Yeah, and it's crazy that happened years before. Oh my god, that still peeves me. The way that black women are treated, I just feel like when it's black women, it's always less. Like like um, when we were talking about sex trafficking and how they sex traffic black women because the crimes usually if they get caught is way less also than too, if it were a white woman. Also, don't really look for black women like they do for white women, which is so horrible mm-hmm. and sad. I hate being aware of this. Like, it's, it sucks. I hate being aware of it. Um, I'm, I think I'm done. <laughs> I'm bumming myself out. Yeah, we went from a really great talk about Marsha P to, to like, Racial Very injustice like, and sexism, misogyny. Yeah. So let's end it here. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed. Don't forget to follow us on, or not enjoyed, but at least we're informed. Um, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. I will get better about posting those dang memes. I'm working on it. Um, so you can follow us at another underscore murdercast on Instagram. Also, if you have any like creepy ghost stories or hometown murders or whatever, be sure to email us at another murdercast um, at gmail.com. I had one nice submission, but if we get more, we'll do the segment. So give us more. Okay. Uh, my name's Aisha. I'm Emily. I'm Jess. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. 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 Bye.